to the podcast where we bring on remarkable people to tell their stories. I'm Paul Gilman. I'm Daniel Lance. And this is Podso One. Chris Stout is a reputed engineer, architect, and leader in the Central Virginia technology scene. He joined us for an episode to talk about his origins, his time at Virginia Tech, starting his own company, with some advice for me as I start my own, his love of hunting, and how COVID has affected him and his family. So here's Chris. Alrighty, welcome Mr. Chris Stout to a podcast I've been looking forward to for a while. Thank you guys. I'm sorry I couldn't be there in, in person. I really was, at some point I'm going to get out to the palatial estate and really oh. check it out. You're oh, killing man. me, Chris. Killing me. <laughs> The palatial state, it's the famed palatial state for sure. Uh, yeah, I just, Gene talked it up so much. It's just been like on my bucket list now. <laughs> Paul, Paul hates this part of the episode already. Uh, but, <laughs> I, 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 but I remind uh, our listeners, uh, I have veto power over all of this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because we, we were waiting initially to, to, to get you on, Chris, until we get you in person, but um, we decided to just pull the trigger now because... Uh, I guess I couldn't wait. So we appreciate you taking the time um, and uh, and welcome. So so why don't we start uh, with you telling us a little bit about your origin story, your, your upbringing? Yeah. So, I mean, it's my upbringing was pretty normal. I don't think I realized how normal it was until I, you know, went off to college and, you know, had to heard all the stories from all the different friends of different walks of life. But my parents got married super, super young. Uh, they were 15, almost in 16. And uh, even back in you know the early 70s, people got married earlier than they do today, but that's still pretty damn early. I and mean, you're, you're having to get your parents' permission to sign the marriage license and all that stuff. Um, but, um, you know, just reads like a fairy tale, um, it, you know, high school sweetheart story. And my dad, he was the youngest of five, uh, obviously the first to get married, um, the only one that stays married. So they've been together near um, 50 years. And, uh, you know, he obviously worked his butt off when they first got married to try to save money. Uh, we lived in a, a trailer until I was uh, in first grade. And, you know, I, he was working so much and he was working, pumping gas when he first started. Uh, and uh, my mom was like begging him to come in because it was just pouring down rain and he was still out there. Back then, it was a lot of uh, full service gas. People came out and pumped your gas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew Daniel, you probably didn't, didn't see that in your well, day. But, uh, <laughs> no, I've been to New Jersey, though, and they still do it out there. And I that's just right. You can't. Yes, that was really strange for me to go to New Jersey. So, yeah. so he caught pneumonia, ended up wiping out their entire savings. So um, that was like, had to have been like a heartbreaking story to save up for that long. But then, you know, um, he ended up getting on, um, as a guard out at a, a government base here in Williamsburg, ended up becoming, um, uh, switched over to the, the firehouse, became a fireman, worked his way up to assistant chief. My mom ended up going to, um, school at night and got her LPN, then her RN. And so, um, you know, me and my sister, I have one sister who's a little bit older, um, we, we had pretty, got pretty lucky, you know, we had parents that stayed together and, um, you know, really cared about us and made sure even though my dad worked as, as a fireman, they have like 24 hour shifts all on and off. Mm. 
you talk to most firemen, they have another job. They're always doing something on their days off. And so he mm-hmm. helped my grandfather own a, a small engine repair, lawnmower shop. And so he was usually there. So it sounds like there's no shortage of inspiration for uh, a, a good work ethic and like to, to working hard. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, they both were super hard workers. Um, I was never, you know, going to be a smoker with a fireman and a nurse as parents. Uh, so I, I had all the, the horror stories there. Uh, so yeah, they were really good role models. And did, did, that, ever, did that affect you, Chris? Are you a hard worker because of them? Um, you know what? It depends. <laughs> I'm trying to think. My wife's going to, if I say yes, my wife might listen to this and say I'm lazy. No, I am a hard worker at work. Um, I have, a t- I have a bad habit of in the home being less of a type A, more of a type B person. I'll, I'll start tons of projects and not finish them. I'm notorious for getting something 80% done and just leave, leave, leaving at rest at that. So my, mm. my wife, school's starting for us on Monday. She was, uh, she's panicking because she can't find a desk for herself. Desks are like sold out everywhere as people prepare for virtual at home. And so I keep telling her I'm going to make her one, and that makes her even more anxious. So uh, I'm just going to let her find one and buy one somewhere, and we'll we'll be done with it. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of do like an MVP type type thing. Uh, <laughs> yes, for a minimum viable product. Which if I if I'm trying to get a desk that I can depend on, I, I wouldn't want a minimum viable product. I would want a, an actual product. Uh, is sorry, is your wife a teacher? She was. Yes, yeah. so she taught for. Um, gosh, I feel like. 11 or 12 years, um, she taught English, seventh grade, which was probably to me the worst subject in the worst grade. Um, the kids are brats and the, um, well, they're at least, they're not brats. They're, they're smart Alex, right? The boys are. They're and, going uh, through puberty. Yes, that's what it's called. And uh, yeah, the poor girls, I think they're, they can be mean to each other too. And then of course, English was always my worst subject. Uh, so I can't imagine why. I said, like, don't you want a subject where you could just like do a Scantron, like multiple choice versus staying yep. up every night and weekends? Teachers work really hard. And so I think they're underappreciated. But after our first kid, she finished out that school year. And then she's been at home ever since, which has been uh, amazing that we're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like our, our youngest has had some development delays and he's um just borderline on the autism spectrum so just the the things that she was able to recognize early on and the help that she was able to get him um was just like invaluable and I, I can see her like if we were both working us missing things or like saying that that's just that's just uh how three-year-olds behave boys behave or something like that so uh, yeah. how, how did your name meet so we met in high school um her, my, I grew up here in Williamsburg. Her family came down from Staten Island. Um, and so we met in high school at one of my friend's birthday parties. And uh, actually, he's a good, I have to talk to you about him, Paul. He might be good to get on here. He's, uh, he's in the Army. Um, but um, anyways, so we met in high school, became friends first, uh, hung out a lot. She was in the neighborhood next door. Um, ended up dating in high school, uh, and we did it for a while, but then broke up before we um, went off to college. And so, probably about let's see eight eight or nine years later, we ended up getting back together. And um, 
and then got married a few years later. How'd you reconnect? Yeah, that's a good question. So we, um, it's, it's funny because we remained friends that whole time, right? And I feel like there were several times where there was kind of some sparks going on again, but it was either like we were never available at the same time. Either I was dating someone and she wasn't and was kind of interested or, or she was dating someone and I wasn't. But we started talking when I, was, I had lived up in D.C. for a little bit after school, moved back to Blacksburg, and we just started talking, I think online, like uh, just over like instant messenger, AOL or something like that. And um, we started talking more and more. And um, I remember actually a friend of mine, I was living with my best friend at the time and, and that I went to college with, his girlfriend, her and I took a class together, a sign language class down at uh, community college. And we were driving. I just remember telling her, I'm going to end up marrying this girl. And uh, sure enough, like we, I ended up moving back to Williamsburg as we got a little bit more serious. And uh um, that's when, like at the time I was a little bit more mobile. I was, had started my business. So came back to Williamsburg and we started dating and, uh, the rest is history. Wow. So, th- so this may be a little, uh, personal when you broke up in high school, was it mutual or did she dump you or, or what happened? Oh, there? she totally dumped me. Uh, <laughs> she's going to be, she told me, I think she told me not to say that, uh, or at least not to be too brutal. Um, so I think there was a couple breakups back and forth. Um, but she definitely did the one when we were going off to college. And um, yeah, there was a, there's a little bit of uncertainty uh, from my part when <laughs> Uh, right before we got married. Uh, so we broke up for a couple, a few months, I think. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we kept, we kept, we were on and off for a little bit. It, it happens. Hey, so um, it, it's funny also the, the, the generation difference between your parents, you know, actually getting married in high school, 17 and 15 uh, versus y'all breaking up and then 10 years later or eight or nine or 10 years <laughs> later, getting back together and getting married. Yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. Um, I, it's it's really neat to to be married to someone and and be like best friends with someone that has seen you through all these different walks of life, you know. And because like mentally, I still feel sometimes like that same kid in high school. Physically, that's definitely not true. <laughs> uh, I'm reminded of that every morning when I try to wake up, but. Um, but yeah, like you're different. You're almost a different person. You grow and you, you change. And um, it's, it's kind of neat that, that you have someone that's been there through that. That's awesome, man. So while we're kind of talking about high school, uh, uh, you had a pretty gnarly injury that kind of changed your life for a good amount of time. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I did. That was, so um, football was my favorite sport. Uh, we were a small school, Division One school. Um, we played in a Division Two league just because there weren't that many high schools around. Um, but, division uh, Division One of the tiny schools, Division Six of the massive schools. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were. My high school was like just uh, a shade over five hundred people total, I think. Uh, so had a was playing playing a game and um, tore my ACL during the game. Um, and that hold on Chris what position yeah. did you play and how much did you weigh when you played it I was so of course like 
there was probably at least six of us that went both ways, five or six of us, just because the team was so small. So I played tight end and outside linebacker and I weighed, I think 180 at the time. When, oh, it's not bad. I, yeah. I, I had it in my head that you weighed like 155. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, probably like freshman year, I was, I think 145, 140, at least that's the, I pole vaulted as well. And I was, I think that's the weight limit of the pole I used, which you're always using a, a, a pole with a weight limit less than you just to get a better spring. Um, right. Hopefully you don't break it. But so, yeah, I was a pretty small guy. Um, we were, yeah, most of us were um, like, I was not college material, not from size or um, dedication. I think I was too busy wanting to um, work, make some money and go have fun with some friends and drink some beers. But but yeah, so I, I I remember the play like it was yesterday. And I, I planted my right foot. I was I was outside linebacker and I recognized the screen pass based on the um the garden and tackle pulling out. And uh, and so I kind of overshot them to turn the person back into the linebacker, the middle linebackers, who was much bigger than me. And so when I planted, it just like, you know, I heard crunches everywhere. It was just it was rough. And of course, you know, I had had problems with my ankles. You're always like injuring yourself here and there. And that was all taped up. So the problem is when you start taping up, um, uh, you know, appendages, then it puts that much pressure on the next one up. So, right. so tore the ACL um, completely. And during the reconstruction, I got a staph infection. Um, and that was pretty nasty. I was probably, I know that was a rough time for me. It was a rough time for my mom too. Um so it, you know, got pumped full of a lot of antibiotics and got the central line kind of put in your chest. And so the first couple, the first probably week was um, in the hospital was pretty rough. Um, you know, it's, you're just um, hoping that an infection doesn't get into your bloodstream because things get, could get really bad and go downhill quickly then. But, but it ended up being okay. Uh, but yeah, I had to have antibiotics in my, you know, in my chest that I carried around for, I want to say like about eight weeks. So I was out of school for a good say 30 to 40 days, I feel like, uh, trying to recover. And so when I went back, um, I was way behind. And so I, uh, most of my, I was pretty much on independent study on most of my classes. I'd kind of show up at the class, but work on my own to try to catch up. And I had one class where it was my physics class where um, I guess maybe my teacher had thought that I was milking it a little bit. Uh, and so she passed out a test uh, that was like still like two or three chapters behind. And so I told her, I was like, hey, you know, I can't, I'm not ready for this test. And she just started like going off on me and yelling at me in front of the class and just kind of belittling me. I remember my friend sitting next to me and he was just like, oh no, oh no. Because he knew like, he knew me well enough to know that I'm pretty laid back, but I had my breaking point, right? So I finally lost it and just said, you know, I, I got to get out of here. She's, she's like going to make me go crazy. And so as I was leaving, she's like, fine, just run away like you run, run away from all your problems. And so I lost it. And I told her, I was like, look, I never turned back or like stepped to her or anything like that. But I said, if you were a man, I would have hit you a long time ago. <laughs> and so... I didn't really think much of it. I just thought that it was just kind of a matter of fact thing to say, but apparently you shouldn't say that to a teacher. So um, I ended up getting suspended for 10 days for that. 
And um, I got put up for expulsion as well, which would have been, I, I don't know what would have happened. It, like I was already accepted early admissions to, to tech for engineering. I don't know if that would have changed that or not. Cause that could it, it, it would have, yeah, it totally would, would have really life changing. So it, it got voted on the school board. Um, I think there's at least one person that did vote to expel me, but overall the vote was not to, it was nice that I had one of the guys I played football with, his mom was on the school board and she's super nice. So she knew me, she knew I wasn't a, you know, delinquent. I wasn't a bad kid or anything like that. Um, and I had just gotten senior the month, the, the month before, which is it's just so funny that, you know, one month I'm getting the senior a month, senior of the month and the next month I'm like up for expulsion. But um, the teacher was a little strange. It, she's, uh, you know, the following year, I think some kids got in trouble for trying to blow up her car. Um, what? Yeah. yeah so, wait a minute. Wait, were, you, were you a juvenile delinquent and you were at, at a school with juvenile delinquents? What are you talking about? Well, the crazy thing was these kids, I mean, when you talk, when you talk about someone blowing up someone's car, trying to blow up someone's car, I think they like stuck a rag in their her gas tank or something. Sounds absolutely crazy. Um, the crazy part was, so I think one of them was a UVA student, ended up going on to uh, be a principal now. But uh, like the funny thing was they were so upset with her because she, she accused them of cheating on a final exam or something and um, kind of really hurt, I guess, hurt their maybe, I don't know if it was their chance to go to school or what it was. But um, when they were, were talking to the police, they readily admitted everything they did, um, trying to let her car on fire or something. But they were adamant that they didn't cheat on the test. And so from <laughs> the police's perspective, it's like, I don't give a shit. About, or I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your you podcast. You can say shit. Yeah. Okay. Daniel, Daniel loves cussing. He does yeah, okay. it all the time. Awesome. Yeah. So like, I don't care if you guys cheated on the exam. Like, that I'm not gonna you're not gonna get in trouble for me, but like you're gonna get in trouble from this other stuff. But they were adamant. They were readily admitted to everything, but they were completely adamant. But um so yeah, it was very, weird. very honest car bomb people. Yeah. 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 So it was crazy. And yeah, and that, I think that person now is on is somewhere in the school board like doing psychology stuff, which is a little scary. But uh <laughs> I'm, I I knew where not to send my kids. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So interesting stuff. Yeah, with you know, we have such a normal like. I don't want to my my school. I'm probably um, painting my school as such as like like belongs on dangerous minds or something. But no, it was it was like normal normal school. Yeah, good kids. Well, that's uh, it. Sounds like it's it's kind of scary to think about uh if what would have happened if if the vote had gone different in terms of your expulsion because i think that any any reasonable person would look at, at at the experiences that you had been through and say like yeah this this kid has just had a really rough rough uh few months and uh let's not ruin his life <laughs> yeah, let's not, yeah let's not prevent him from going to college you uh, know what they told my mom my mom asked the class like she didn't like try to persuade them, but she asked the class to write if, if they were willing to write what happened. Cause she was dealing with this a lot more than I was. And so she had, I think over half the class had written like, you know, a page on what happened. And she took that and, and, and gave that to the superintendent and he didn't even read them. He gave them back to her and said, Mrs. Dow, do you know how hard it is to find physics teachers? 
And I was like, Dan, like to have the boss to even say that, like maybe you think it, maybe you're like, man, it's really hard to get physics teachers. But like to actually say that to my mom, it's just, was pretty bad. And this is city of Williamsburg school board. This was York County. York County. Okay. Yeah. This is, you know, 20 some years ago. So I don't think those people are still there. I think it's uh, safe to talk about, but uh, yeah, it's funny. And like that, that person, that teacher that I, I ran into, um, my wife ran into her at a, uh, I guess, uh, you know, whatever events teachers do, uh, several years, you know, after we were married, you know? And, um, so she was, you know, she saw my wife said, Oh, Amy, how you doing? And she's all happy. And she's like, so who did you get married to anyone? I know. And, and she was like, yeah, Chris Stout. And like her face immediately went like, blank and she walked away and so you know amy's vice principal who was hanging out with her at the time she's like what the heck is that about there's got to be a story there she's like yeah there's a little bit of a story there so that that is a story so what i i don't know anybody who's ever been expelled in high school but if let's say you were expelled what are your options for continued education at that point do you just go straight to college you hope tech doesn't have a problem with it or do you end up getting your GED? Do you go to a private school? Do you move to another jurisdiction? Like that's yeah. expulsion is awful for any kid. And, and in some cases it's warranted, but your case, it's ridiculous. Shouldn't have yeah. even been voted on. Even suspension, like for 10 days. So technically you're suspended. You're supposed to get zeros on all your stuff. And so my, you know, my mom, she was really great at, you know, I, I know everyone's don't have parents that do this. Like, so she went to my teachers and was like, look, there's nothing more Chris would want to do than sit home and not have to do anything for 10 days. Can you make, can I like give him the assignments and make him do that? And so they did that. The actual expulsion, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done um, because like, man, I, my experience at tech was amazing. I, I it's hard to um, imagine what would have happened if I, like they would have like, um, you know, rescinded the offer or, or not, but um I mean, I think that you have an, an engineering brain and that you probably would have either eventually gotten your diploma and, and made it to college or ha had a perfectly satisfactory career like with uh, a trade school or something. I feel like you would be fine at pretty much whatever you try to do. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I'd, um, who knows? Yeah, that was like before the big dot-com boom. Maybe I would have not spent time in class and actually um, tried to make a – ebay or something I don't let's know. talk about the uh the, was was the dot com dot com boom like in effect um uh, after you graduated college it was right before and actually never did graduate from college oh, okay. so or, or let's back up college you said tech for our yep. listeners who are not from the state of virginia he's talking about oh, yeah. virginia polytechnic institute and state university is that what it was called back in the day? I, I know it's commonly Virginia Tech. We these still days. call it a Virginia Tech. I didn't go to school in the 30s. It was like, yeah, <laughs> Virginia Tech. <laughs> Maybe when you were in school. No, no. I'm, not, I'm older than you, and I'm not that much older. My dad went there, and that's what they called it back in the 60s. Yeah, so yeah, VPI. Like we, we, would, we would recognize VPI if you said that. But yeah, so Virginia Tech, the Hokies. What, what, is, a, what, what is a Hokie, Chris? So... The official definition for a Hokie, um, I could, I had, there's great jokes. I don't know if I can, I'm allowed to say them on, on, on air, but the official one from tech is that it's actually not a thing. It was just a cheer that was made up early uh, and it just stuck, but our mascot is the turkey. 
the, the a gobbler. gobbler. A gobbler. Yeah. The gobbler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a hokey is not a turkey. Right. Although we do have big turkey legs at our football games, and people think that it's ironic that we're eating our mascot. But <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I don't. I really don't have a great answer for that. I mean, I, I think UT UT Austin uh, is probably a good answer for that too. They love their steaks down there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a great. All right, I'm adopting that. I'm going to steal that. That's a great answer. Yeah, man. So you didn't graduate. I didn't. I I went four years. And, um, I was, so I was in the co-op program, which is an awesome program at tech. Uh, what it is, is once you enter your junior year, you start to do a semester with a company and then come back to school for a semester or two and then go back with them and usually do three rotations. And so I had done two rotations at Nortel down in, a RTP, like Riley, North Carolina. And, um, for the third round, um, I went up to, um, Northern Virginia to, um, what were they called at the time? They were BBN. Um, gosh, I can't remember what they were called. Uh, their claim to fame is uh, they, um, the guy that uh, created the at symbol in the email. He worked for them. <laughs> so okay. I can't remember who it was. Um, but yeah, so I was working up there. And um, this was like 99, right? So we were right in, in the, near the height of the dot-com boom. And things were just like insane. Uh, I mean, like the hourly rates for the consultants back then were higher than they are now, you know, 20 years later. And um, and so at the time when I when I went to school, um, my parents helped me um, when I was in school with. So I got some student loans. The interest was deferred. And then some I had to the the principal was deferred, but I had to pay the interest payments. So after four years, the payments started to build up. And so I was working um, part-time job at tech um, in the library automation in the print shop doing some programming stuff. I was also doing some consulting work on the side that, that eventually grew into a business. But so I'm sitting there up in Northern Virginia thinking, man, I'm working my, my butt off, you know, basically kind of two jobs here, not a, you know, a part-time job in a some side business and going to school. Um, why am I doing this? Let me just go get a job. And then like school will always be there if I ever wanted to go back and finish it. So, mm. um, and my poor mom, I, you know, I've tormented her all my life. I've only shared a couple of stories, but you know, I, I told them, I'm sure that had to be like nerve wracking to them, you know, after putting in, you know, I've been putting in four years of school here, but you know, like, I just, I remember her answer today is just like, she was like, you know, I, you know, I trust what you're doing. So um, I ended up getting a job for a little tech beltway bandit company that did some good government consulting and uh, worked with them for a little bit and then switched over to Marriott. So, so yeah, I never ended up going back. Um, knock on wood, it hasn't, hasn't come back to bite me. Honestly, the, the fact that you were able to like have a, a, a successful career without having to go back is probably a, a testament because, cause, I mean, it's, it sounds a little bit like the pattern of like the, the rock star programmers that are going to like Stanford, uh, that get poached by tech companies, um, in these last couple of decades, uh, before they graduate, you know, they're like freshmen or sophomores and these companies are so desperate for talent and there's just, it just makes so much more sense financially to just say like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll go, uh, you know, I'll, instead of three years more of more learning and more debt, I'll just jump into a, a lucrative tech job right now. 
And, uh, and I don't know if they look back, but it, yeah, it seems like you didn't. So that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I didn't really, that's it almost, you described it almost like the NBA, like looking for talent. <laughs> like, uh, that's really cool. I, I, it makes me wonder what's, what school is going to be like in 10 or 20 years, because tuition has been insane skyrocketing, right? Way more than inflation and people's salaries. So something's got to give. And, and the colleges have become even, you know, I start to feel like an old man when I say this, but I guess I've been out for almost 20 years now. Um, when I go back, I mean, the campuses are almost like resorts compared to what they, like, you know, we didn't have AC in our dorms and all that stuff. And now they're like, I was like, man, I want to come live here, like pull an old school and go back and start a fraternity or something. But so like, I get it. They have to raise the rates to afford that and compete with each other. But you know, they're not doing it to put air conditioning in dorms. They're doing it because they're now businesses and there will be a correction at some point. And I know plenty of wonderfully talented contributing people that didn't graduate college. And so I, I think it just depends on what you want to do uh, for a career. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there are some, some, I know some careers, like I know, like, it seems like the data scientist folks, like they, a lot of times they want people with advanced degrees. They don't like, it's not even enough to have a um, undergrad. Of course, the professional, you know, doctors are always going to be like that. Yeah. I, I think there are probably some more like highbrow fields in technology, like data science that are that way. Mm-hmm. But then there are also the like uh, sort of uh, 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 just kind of, dirty and anybody can kind of jump in and javascript for example which is the language that is used for a lot of websites um some somebody famous said javascript is the only language i'm aware of that people start using feel comfortable using before they uh before they know anything about it like (laughs) there's like these coding boot camps all these people can just um be be learning a lot of this stuff And, and because of the internet it's like pretty democratized which is cool um, but the, the question is just like, is that enough to, uh, hire somebody? Cause I, I do think that tech companies specifically still kind of look for at least a, a bachelor's degree from college. But as personally, as someone that did have a bachelor's degree and went through four years of computer science, um, and at a higher institution, I think that most of what I learned, I, I could have, uh, at least that, that I applied to the, to the jobs that I did. It, it could have been done in a six month like boot camp, and I would I could have avoided college entirely. Uh, but then you know th- there is there is the argument of like the rounding out liberal education, learning how to write, mm-hmm. communicate, finding yourself. Uh, but in terms of like you know building a technical skill set, I uh, I feel like these these boot camps and these certification things are going to um, gain some traction, especially as colleges and higher institutions become impossibly uh priced for for regular consumers yeah that's true i i think there is something to be said for um when you when you go to like the applied skills and like get the certifications you don't always get like some of the fundamentals um that are going on under the hood so you kind of know how to use these tools and you know how to work with them but you don't really understand them and and for ninety five percent of the stuff out there, that's fine um, until you get into a place where you don't understand um, why something's not working, and you you got to go find one of those guys that does, you know. So, yeah, it's it's like a mixed bag. I, I still think there's definitely value into getting that more of that kind of like that classical what's going on under the hood um, versus just use it, learning like 
you know, frameworks and tools and libraries and all that fun stuff. But, but you're right. I mean, you know, yeah. four years I mean, like, is a long time, a lot of money. Yeah. 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 I think that like the, the fundamentals that you're talking about, like, uh, data structures, algorithms, like, Yep. This sort of like more pure look at computer science, you know, binary and like all that stuff. I am so glad that I, I learned all that stuff. And I don't think that people would get taught those fundamentals in like a quick, quick and dirty boot camp that's like, this will get you hired in six months. At a, at a <laughs> so right. I think you have you have a great point. And and the cool part is again, like if I'm interested in learning more about the depth and the the higher level, like principles of behind uh, computer science and programming or really any field, you know, the, the internet is there, uh, which is really, really cool. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, and I've, I've already taken it for granted. Um, and it's in the, in the sense that if I want to know how to do something, I just go YouTube it. Like it's, I like my kids will never know having to go to the library to research something or, or even pulling out the encyclopedias, they just Google it. Right. Um, yeah so it's it's amazing everyone could be an instant expert or at least yeah. proficient you know cool well um you uh you uh, you spun out from from uh your job to start your own business is that right i did yeah okay cool so i for context am uh just joining this this startup right now and so i would love I'm to hear how, how it went for you um you know, going through that process of starting your own business and, uh, like, yeah, just, just how was it? Was there anything that you, that you learned that you would have done differently? Oh yeah. There's a lot I learned that I I would have done differently. Um, I kind of fell into it a little bit too. I I feel like a lot of things I just kind of end up falling into, but so I mentioned I was doing some consulting when I was in school, we were working on a site called Williamsburg.com. This is like before, you know, online reservations really existed, but that's, so that's what we were doing. So we went to partner with um, hotels around Williamsburg and got a located inventory from them. And then we sold them uh, on a website. So before Nathan, uh, my buddy and I went to help them, they did it all. It was just a forum. Someone, you know, that person's information got emailed to them. They got an Excel spreadsheet, their managing all this stuff. So we actually built them like a web-based reservation system. And, and, and that was back in like the, the late nineties. So, um, so that's how I got doing like side business there. And so that picked up and started working, you know, that started, that worked out pretty well um, for a while. And so I had, I mentioned I, I worked up in DC, did that for a couple of years and just got burnt out. I worked for Marriott at the time and just got, you know, sick of the traffic and how many hours we were putting in and I got a call from a, uh, an old employee at um, Virginia Tech. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. You know, my, my friend Nino, who was just finished up his master's in mining engineering up in D.C., where, where I was, he was going back to Blacksburg to finish up his Ph.D. I was like, this is perfect. We'll go back down there, you know, live our nice Blacksburg lifestyle, um, did a lot of outdoor stuff. And so I was working for the college there and, and doing the side business. And, and so it picked up enough. So I, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like I'm single. I don't really have a lot of expenses. Now's the time to do this. Right. And this, this might resonate with you. Right. Daniel. Mm-hmm. So, so I did that. And, um, I, uh, 
I started picking up a little bit of other things in addition to Williamsburg.com. Um, my uh, brother-in-law, I, trying to manage all their requests and, and bugs that they found with the site, I built this little like intake web form where they could enter their problems in this trouble ticket system, basically. At the time, now there's like, you know, there are a dime a dozen, you could get out and pay two bucks a user or something, but right. it didn't exist back then. So my brother-in-law who had worked for the city of Williamsburg saw that, he's like, what software is that? I really could use that. I was like, it's, not, it's just something I wrote real quick to, to manage this. So, so I did a little work with him and then just started picking up some, um, I kind of missed the transition in this is when tying back to my story with Amy, I, I'd left my job in Blacksburg, did this Williamsburg.com full time, moved back to Williamsburg and was doing this. And so I started picking up some small stuff, um, worked with some nonprofits and, and, and things around town. And so I was going to be fine as long as I didn't lose my Williamsburg.com stuff. Then I would have been in trouble. Well, I lost the Williamsburg.com stuff. <laughs> um, this was my first big lesson learned. Um, get agreements in writing. When you're starting out, it's, you don't want to slow down an idea by saying, like, we need to hash out the, the details and agreements because you just want to, you're excited about the idea. You just want to jump in and go. You'll figure out the, the money and the percentages and stuff later. Well, so we were getting a percentage of the revenue at the time, but we didn't actually have any ownership on paper in the company. We, we were told we did, but we didn't. Well, the owner ended up selling the business to someone, moved to the Philippines. I uh, never saw him again. Mm. So uh, uh, that's a, another story. It's not even my story to tell. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so that was like, that was pretty devastating. The, the thing that saved me, was and and my the the company i did was obviously consulting work so daniel it's a little bit different than what you're getting ready to get into but what i had did was joined a um like a business networking group and for the most part it was a bust but it was like basically there's a bunch of different people in different disciplines that are trying to start their business or start their um you know maybe they were like there's also like retailers and or, or realtors and stuff like that in there um trying to grow their business and so you're like, hey, we're not competing. Let's, you know, if we have some leads, let's exchange stuff. And so through that, I got tied in with a graphics design firm that did some, a lot of design work and did some white programming. But um, they sent me some of the, um, some of the bigger programming stuff. And that kind of snowballed and worked out really well. And, and to the point where I started, um, I hired my first uh, employee it was going well. And so my, my biggest mistake during that time, the consulting period, was I never wanted to pay um, like overhead, what I would call overhead positions, right? Like I didn't want to go out and pay someone to do business development because it's like at the time as a you know, young 20-something engineer, I'm like, you know, it's not a skill that I'm billing per hour, right? Mm. So I'd get to the point where I had more than work I could handle than I'd hire someone and I was just going to keep doing that repeat that. But so I, I totally didn't appreciate the value of just that sales concept. I was growing sales to doing a really awesome job and getting more work with the contacts I made. I wasn't going out and growing the business because it just wasn't my forte. It's just not my personality too. So um, that was probably my biggest mistake is really not valuing other disciplines um, as much as I should have. So I think if I wanted to do consulting again, and I don't want to have a business, a consulting business again. Uh, <laughs> I think if I, if I do something again, I think I would like to be a product-based. But 
if I did, I would definitely make sure that, you know, we hired people to really go out and, and find us some work and uh, spread the word. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things that like doesn't seem uh, super important intuitively, but then later on it, it kind of definitely is. Um, did, did you have also kind of, uh, you, you know, in hiring your first person, you were, you're, you're basically like uh, imparting ownership to somebody else, which is pretty cool. But, um, and this is a kind of a question where I think I might fall into this trap. Did you ever feel like I can do it? If I can do it, I'm not going to pay someone else to do it and have like that cowboy, like, you know, uh, I can do it. Uh, I don't need to hire anybody. Oh, um, no, I definitely, cause I, I got so busy that like, it's weird. Like the idea of working for yourself sounds super awesome and romantic and, and there's so many good things to it, but you like, you talk about being your own boss and all this stuff, at least in a consulting field you still have a boss, but instead of one, you got like 20, right? So every client is a boss with their most important, highest priority thing, right? Right. So I wasn't nervous about hiring someone to pay them. Um, to me, it was almost a no-brainer. What I was worried about um, and probably assessed about is hiring someone, then having work dry up, and then you know having to let them go, or, or what do I do then? So I always waited until I had more work than I can handle. And then, you know, that's when I hired Luke. And then I, you know, most other stuff um, that wasn't our core competencies, like either design work, I um, hired out on 1099s. And I did some some engineering work on 1099s as well when I was just to kind of handle the spike, the surge and kind of work that I felt might not be long-term or at least I wasn't sure, so. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by 1099s? Oh, sorry. So there's two ways to pay someone, right? One would be W-2, meaning I'm hiring this person as an employee, all the good and bad that come with that, right? Um, you know, you got, you got insurance and, and like uh, unemployment insurance and all, all kinds of stuff. At some point, you have to actually, if you have enough employees, you have to get health insurance. Luke and I were both young enough that we didn't have kids at the time. We were, insurance was pretty cheap. Um the other option is to pay someone as a consultant, the 1099. So it's kind of, I think it's actually what like Uber and Lyft does and they're getting, they're getting in a lot of trouble for that. But it's basically just a, hey, I'm hiring you to do some work um, and you could do it as a individual or sole proprietor, or whatever, whatever they have set up. So the designer, I paid like that. There's also someone I wanted to hire as a W-2. He was a Canadian citizen living in the Bahamas and however that worked out, he was able to not pay any taxes. Um, but if I put him on a W-2, then he'd have to pay us taxes. So he, he was someone that, that I paid as a 1099. Um, so I can't imagine living in the Bahamas, not paying any taxes. Uh, I'm sure he loved it cause he's still there, I think, but it has, he's like, you know, it's not all, perfect it has its downsides obviously healthcare is not as good as in, in the states but i was like i don't know it sounds pretty good life to me but i'm, I'm guessing he's not uh married with kids he i think i, I know he's married i think he does have kids i'll have to look him up that's, wow uh all right good times so, 
So, so what eventually lured you back into the the golden handcuffs of uh, <laughs> of the life? Yeah. So, so I guess it was a little bit after. So, two thousand eight was like the big, like you know, great recession, I guess. And mm-hmm. luckily, I still had plenty of work during during that time, and I had some good um, like annual contracts as well. With I was working with um, URS, or a big design engineering firm, so I had a lot of work with them. Um, so but my backlog of work, like how much work I had coming down the pipe was getting a little short. So I was a little nervous, but like, it wasn't too bad. The, the straw that broke the camel's back was we had had Olivia, my first child. So Amy started staying from home. So um, both of us were on my insurance. And when we were, and we had to do um, in vitro for Olivia and we we're going to have to do it again for, for Andrew. And when um we had also a c-section with olivia so well aware of medical bills when we went to put her on my insurance from her teacher insurance she had had some neck problems at the time and the doctor had said that she wasn't going to surgery was optional but she didn't have to have it well on from the health insurance rating they gave her a four which is like almost like I got cancer almost. It's it's pretty high. So I couldn't get her on my regular insurance. We had to do what's called like a provisional and we couldn't get maternity insurance on a provisional. And so, you know, and we just, you know, my, my niece um, was a preemie and like, like it, like if something that would have happened and we didn't have health insurance, it would have like completely wiped us out. So mm-hmm. that was the straw that kind of like, okay, you know, let me let me um, grow up and, and go back to what did you call it the gold the golden handcuffs the golden handcuffs yeah 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 so um you know I it's 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 not growing up you just you got to work for the man the the man I gives you some things uh, entrepreneurship doesn't give you but yeah I mean it's, there's good and bad and everything right yeah and I don't regret it at all actually I mean I love working for myself I would I will hopefully probably do it again. Um, I think hopefully I'll come at it a little, little bit more wiser. I certainly have a better network of contacts from having, you know, the past, I guess, seven years worked for the man um, mm. between the few companies I've been at. So, and I've learned a lot more about enterprise IT. Um, not that I would want to maybe concentrate in that space, but um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I was working and that was another thing. It wasn't like a big thing, but I, I told you there's a couple things and that was just a straw. I was also kind of getting a little bored to be honest. I was working on the same kind of projects, the same size projects for the same clients. So like medium sized projects. Um, and you know, it's just, it's just rinse and repeat. You're doing the same little web, you know, full stack um, database applications. And uh, I, I didn't feel like I was really learning or growing in that, that environment. Right. So if I wasn't completely growing the business into his, you know, big consulting firm or wasn't really learning, you know, like growing professionally, it's time to do something different. So, yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I I, I, I in no mean I, I I in no way mean to disparage like people that uh, are like you know working for for big companies because I think that um, like plenty of people have really really fulfilling careers and they get to go to work and like solve really cool problems and do really cool shit every day. Uh, and whether you're working for yourself or work or for somebody else, like. Um, I think that's that's what's important is just making sure that you're treated well and that you're uh, that that you actually enjoy the work that you do. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And you know, uh, one thing I'd add is if if you feel like you're getting bored or stale or complacent or 
uh, you know, it's time to do something, challenge yourself. You don't have to move companies, maybe move positions, go into something you, something to keep you growing and interesting. Otherwise you'll wake up and like, what have I done for this last 17 years or something? And then, you know, I've known people that got stuck in big companies like that. And it's like, they are awesome. They were superstars at that company because they know how to get stuff done at that company. Mm. And it doesn't always translate. And sometimes it's hard. It's, you know, God forbid something happens and there's layoffs. It, it, it's a lot more challenging to go out and try to find something when, you know, that's kind of like your world. So yeah, you, you end up being institutionalized. Yeah, that's uh, it. and, and the longer you're there, you, you end up becoming uh, like Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption, right? <laughs> yeah, Brooks. <laughs> yeah brooksy yeah it's a it's a it's a local mac maximum as uh tom chen would say you know when you're when you have like a, a pretty safe um and like reliable you're basically trading you know security in the short term for like potential you know fulfillment in the long term uh because it, it just yeah and, and so you're on a local maximum uh which is like a little peak and but to get to a, a bigger maximum you have to deal with potentially um failing or or losing income or or, or just uh exposing yourself to risk in general yeah your your range is much greater when you're on your own yeah yeah i'm excited for you daniel i can't wait to hear how it goes i don't know if you guys could work in some status updates in the podcast or not i don't know <laughs> do we do do we want to do that daniel i don't know i i need to talk to the guys first before i start um airing stuff out in public uh I want to make sure that whatever I do share is like above board and everything. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, we could uh, we could advertise for your company. Yeah, maybe. free publicity. Yeah, yeah, we well, might we might do that. Um, I'll uh, yeah. Let, let me let me talk to the uh, the CEO. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. Um, tomorrow is my last day at, at my current job uh, as a consultant, and and then Monday I start full time with uh, with a startup. So. Uh, yeah, I guess wish me luck. Yeah, I, I'm excited for you, Daniel. I just don't want it to, uh, to get in the way of the podcast. Oh, whatever, yeah. And certainly have your priorities straight. Podcast right. number one. Podcast yeah. one, girlfriend two. <laughs> oh, yeah. She might have a, an issue or two with that. Uh, well, she won't hear hear that from me because she won't listen to uh, to this episode, maybe. That's true. Yeah. It's basically, you may have just screamed that into the silent void because it that's, that's about <laughs> as likely as she is to hear it. So cool. cool. Well, Hey, so Chris, you said you might go private or might, might do your own thing at some point. And you had mentioned when we were doing some back and forth about uh, this episode that uh, you might be in a midlife crisis or at least a mid career <laughs> crisis. Yeah. It's a, you know, different, uh, interesting age. And I, you know, I don't, I'd love to get your take, Paul. Um, if you remember that many years ago when you were so, my age. Yes. Yeah, so, well, since I'm on the other side of the years, crisis, right. Years. Yeah, yeah. Daniel's on the other side, uh, coming up. Like, um, I wouldn't say that, like, and I don't know what a midlife crisis is supposed to be like growing up. It it means like you go out and buy a, a, a trans am or something like that. Um, but, uh, I'm definitely feeling my mortality. Like, right. So I, I don't, I'm not necessarily depressed, but, um, like I thought a mid-life crisis would be, but I'm like, you know, you're waking up, I got back pains and trying to figure that out. Like there's a realization that, and it's like, there's a cup half full, half empty thing where like there's things that have, that I'm past being able to do. I'm too old to do things now. Um, and I'll never be able to do those again. 
And so that's, that's a little sad, even, even knowing some of those things I don't want to do, right? Like too old to join the FBI. It'd be a cool career. I don't really want to do it, but it's just, it's an option that's off the table now. Um, so there's that, right. And, and definitely feeling like the aches and pains and stuff like that. And then all the things that like, you know, like what would it have been like to go out and work in West coast Silicon Valley, you know, pre-marriage and stuff like that. Like, I won't be able to do that. Um, don't like, I don't feel like I miss it. It's just, again, one of those things that's passed up. But then on the other side, it's like, I've only really gotten through half my career, right? I still have 20 years to work. Um, and what else can I do? Like, what should I be doing? And so there's a, there's a sense of like optimism, like, Hey man, I got so much I can do. And I have the means to, that I didn't have when I was 20 to actually act on some of these things. Um, but you know, what should they be like, like, you know, every month or every year that goes by, it's, it's, it's starting to be a little bit precious. So what should I be focused on? What do I really want to do uh, when I grew up, so to speak? So mm-hmm. this is kind of some things I, I wrestle with. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer to, to know that there's certain things that you're probably never going to do or you know you'll never do again. But there's so many options, uh, regardless of your age, for, for how you spend your time and what you do to find contentment uh, and fulfillment. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of experience in that, in this sort of thinking, uh, particularly, but it seems to me that like, if you were to start thinking about all the different things you could have done, um, at the start of your career, that that list is, is basically infinite. And then yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could spiral into like an agonizing, just, uh, mania of, of like, uh, self-torture if that's like, you know, really all you dwell on as opposed to more like the, you know, looking at the 20 years that you have now in front of you. Well, so using the term infinite uh, and and making this a math problem, where you are now, Chris, is infinity minus maybe 1500. That math is still really, really compelling. That's a good uh, point. The options you have. That's a good point. And, um, And the other thing I think is important for all of us is like, especially this year, right. With COVID, uh, and just general craziness, 2020 craziness. Uh, I can't wait to hear how we're going to refer back to 2020, uh, for the years to come. Um, but like, you know, I wouldn't wish a um, global pandemic on the world or anyone. Um, but it has brought a lot of good things personally to me. I was, it's brought some bad things as well, but like I have not had my two and a half hours in my car every day. Um, so it's allowed me to actually be home for dinner, um, with the kids. It's allowed me to like go out during lunchtime and, and help my youngest try to ride his bike. We actually got my daughter who's almost, I'm ashamed, a failed father to not have her riding a bike earlier, but we saw that we got her on the bike now. So it's really cool. Um, to think that, uh, the, the other thing is like, I, I've, I haven't been in the best shape. I need to fix that. I always told myself, I gave myself the excuse that, I don't have time. I'm working too much. I'm in the car, et cetera. Now I'm home. I have no excuse. Right. So, um, uh, I started out a little bit, but I'm still falling down. I need to get back on the horse. So yeah, like it's, um, it's, it's, uh, given time, given time to do things that I, you know, I, you know, once you become a parent, I guess like you start like growing up, I was totally, totally type B. I, I took that, you know, don't worry about anything. Cause if either you could either do something about it, to do it or you can't so you can't so, so don't don't worry about it and but once you have kids you worry about freaking everything and so 
growing up, like, like as the kids growing up, I'm worried about, okay, now it's the time to work a lot because like when they're two, they're not going to remember me that much. So like, I want to make sure I have time later. And then if you're not careful, that's just going to go on. And it's like, man, I, my kids are just graduated and I, you know, I didn't, you know, that's what usually like, I think people end up regretting. No one ever, my mom was a hospice nurse and like, you don't, you don't hear anyone ever say like, Oh man, I wish I would have worked a little bit more, you know? Um, yeah. So it's given me some time to like appreciate that and spend with the kids. And that's been, that's been awesome. Yeah. I, I think to your point around, there's been good in, in this. I think there's going to be a lot more work from home for people. So they have an opportunity yeah. to spend more time with the people that they really should be spending more time with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, 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 go ahead, Daniel. And just, it's a very, the way that you just described, like the, your family and your kids and, and, and how you really been treasuring like the extra time. It, I think it speaks to uh, that you actually really do love your family. Cause I hear uh, every time I hear someone, for every person I talk, I hear <laughs> being with their family, there are about 10 people that are like being driven crazy by having, you know, the, the kids around all the time and like just, and you know, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, having kids is probably crazy and super stressful, but uh, I think that it's pretty cool that you're like deliberately, you know, seeing the the, the positives in it. Oh yeah, it's awesome, and um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I do, I do, do know a lot of people that like are can't wait to get back to the office. Right. Um, I guess I'm a little bit lucky here. I have a couple door se- separation because if the kids are crazy, um, Amy is usually bearing the brunt of that. Um, but it yeah, is you, nice that you're not saying that you want to be around your kids twenty four seven either. I mean, I, I certainly that's, did that's not insanity. make that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely make sure. If I said that, that you take that out of the podcast in case my wife listens to that. No, she's the same. So it is good. I do have a better appreciation too for what she does all day. Um, not that I, you know, didn't appreciate what she did, but it's like, it's next level, you know, shit. Like seeing what, you know, like yeah. kids could be trying. They're great. Like it's like the greatest thing ever, but yeah, especially the, the youngest and the sibling rivalry is real. So uh, they get into it sometimes. Wow. Cool. Do you want to um, go well, to the, so, uh, the question? Oh, go ahead. Paul. No, well, you'd mentioned uh, good and bad in 2020, uh, specifically around COVID. Uh, and you had shared that you've been directly impacted in your family by COVID. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Oh, yeah. My my aunt just passed away um, a week and a half ago. And I mean, she was older. She was 87. She lived an amazing life. Um but it's, it, you know, it, it hits home and, you know, especially when, you know, we're the thing that upsets me the most about COVID is that we've completely politicized something that is an apolitical thing. Right. And, you know, on one end, it's like, we should do all this stuff and shut everything down, you know, and, you know, and then on the other side, it's like, this isn't real. It's a made up thing. It's, it's hurting my election. And, you know, and so it's like, man, it's, it's, it's so sad to see that happen where this is something where you would think people should be coming together and kind of figuring out what to do. And it's just kind of politicized. And so when I, when I do hear people on both extremes, it drives me crazy. So it drives me crazy to hear someone say that it's made up and, and knowing that, you know, my wife just, or my, my aunt just passed away and it, it and she wasn't out. She wasn't, maskless going to you know home depot i mean she's pretty much at home um and uh, but like i said i mean you know she, 
she lived an amazing life. She she ran the marina here, uh, Jamestown Marina here in Warrensburg, and it was just like um, a unique experience. A very small mom pop type marina here, and she used to cook food for people as they came in from fishing. It was like the best place. You know, you put five dollars on the counter, and she's giving you fried chicken, stewed tomatoes, like you know, you have a glass of sweet tea and it's impossible to get to the bottom of it. Um, so uh, it was a really cool thing like that, you know, those type places don't exist um, very much anymore. So um, I know she will be missed for sure. Yeah. Sounds like a lady I would have loved to have met. Yeah. Cool. So I, I don't know how we transition from that to uh, our standard question. Chris, have you listened to enough of our podcast that you know? Yeah. You guys are going to give me the question. Yeah. I mean, I, Daniel, do we need to? You're much pithier now with this you're, question. You want me to ask myself the question? Yeah, well, why don't you ask yourself? That's perfect. You'll be our first guest to ask himself the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the All right, third Chris. Person. Yeah, okay, okay, Chris. If you had a choice, and I could get it wrong, you guys feel free to correct me. Chris, if you had a choice, <laughs> you could do go on the road for six months and do stand up, you know, whatever schedule they do on every the night. Road. Yeah, on the road. You're not just going to do it and at the local hotel. Yeah, he's Come just on. not going to crush Richmond every, every week. Yeah. yeah. Or Williamsburg in your case. Um, yeah. Or would you join the military for four years? And this is Chris asking Chris this question. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, man, that's a weird question. Um, so I, I would definitely think I would do the military because one I'm more, a, one more for my side. Great. Yeah. Only because I'm a morning person, I'm not a night person. So I don't think I could actually stay up and deliver the jokes. Well, the, the, the army does wake up early, but they could stay up three days at a time sometimes too. Oh, shit. I, I might have to rethink <laughs> this. Yeah. They, and they, I mean, you wake up early, but they don't make you tell jokes. It's just, uh, I don't know, what do they make you call, like run laps? Yeah. You do a lot of uh, physical uh, exertion stuff early in the morning typically yeah no in all seriousness i I, like actually i think i would do the military um i feel like i would have you could get a lot out of both of those things they're both i'm not a good salesperson and i feel like that's what a a comedian is right they're in sales so i think it would be terrifying for me to get up on stage and tell jokes um because you know there's you know they have to deal with hecklers and all that fun stuff but uh, maybe learn to dismiss them. And that's a good, valuable skill. I just feel like in the military, if anything, I could I could use a little bit more organization and structure. Uh, I think they're a little bit about that. Uh, and things that your guests have already talked about before, like just the, the teamwork involved. That was one of the things I loved about football as a sport. It's like, it is a team sport above all others. I know basketball is a team sport. You could have one or two pers- people that just completely carry the team. Mm. football is the reverse you have one or two holes in your in your line and you know you can't even get the playoffs so yeah, nothing works right yeah so teamwork's pretty important and um and you know you learn a lot about leadership and and things like that so yeah especially i, I think i do the military i don't know if i'd be able, i might get kicked out or expelled because that's tends to be my mo but <laughs> you think you think you'd be kicked out of the military no, i don't think so <laughs> yeah hopefully i'd make it i don't know I, th- I think you'd be fine. I think your uh, little brush with the near expulsion is was an anomaly. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. been times I'm worried I'm going to slip up and say something at work. I, I, I speak my mind pretty freely, like candid, but 
usually professional, but uh, I'm worried one day I'm just going to speak a little too freely. And I don't we'll know, man. Uh, you guys, you, if you have a third spot on Podso One, then maybe you could pick me up. <laughs> oh man, always, yeah. We 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 have, we've got a spot for uh for guest host Chris whenever, man. <laughs> I could ask the question. Did I do okay? No, that's yeah. good. You, you, great question uh, of yourself and a uh, good answer to yourself. Good answer. Yeah. We, we, as of late, we haven't been putting the time constraints on it. Um, the six months versus four years. Uh, and that can be a kind of a deciding factor for some people because four years is a whole lot longer than six months. But uh, even that didn't stop you from going military. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother-in-law was in the Navy and he can tell you down to the day how many days he was in the military. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand days in a wake up is how many more days he had. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like I hear people that like were in the military for. I think he might have been eight or nine. So I think that's that's at the point where it's like I either need to get out or make it a career, right? Or at least do my twenty. But you know, you hear stories of people doing like fifteen, sixteen years and getting out, and I'm like, oh man, you were almost there, like. Mm. Yeah, because when you get to 20, you've got medical health coverage, uh, you have 50% pay. Like, once you get to 10, like, you either have to get out or do another 10. I don't know how yeah. people get out at 16. And, and, Paul, how many years total did you do again? 30? No. What am I, 80 years old? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I, I was in the Army National Guard for most of it. I, I did 23, mostly reserve. 23. Yeah. All right, man. And, uh, one other thing I want to I want to talk about real quick. Uh, Paul just dropped his son off at uh, at Virginia Tech, actually. Um, yes. Go at Virginia Hokies. Polytechnic Institute, State University. Yes. And I know that that Paul's son Zach is an avid listener of our podcast. I'm close <laughs> to all of them. So, uh, would you happen to have any advice for for him, or maybe for you know incoming freshmen? Uh, and it can be COVID related or tech related or, or anything. Well, it should be technology related at tech because he is uh, very interested in computer science. Yeah, I I could I could probably have some advice that I don't want to say in front of Paul, um, but the advice to give him in front of Paul, um, <laughs> gosh, man, I don't know. That's a great question. I should have. Um, you should Wait, have is it well, is the stuff you can't say in front of me uh, about women and booze? Yeah. Okay, I, I get it. Um, I, actually, I don't even know where to go these days. Some of the some of the places are still there, um, but no, like yeah, definitely have fun. Don't like um, kill yourself with academics, um, but uh, don't go crazy. Especially your first semester to a heart. My I, I did awful my first semester, um, and then got it together. Um, and it's always harder to work your way up, but um, yeah, I don't know, like. Um, especially specifically Blacksburg. I don't know what he's into, but the unique thing about that is that there's so much like intellectualism in the town and, and, and around it because there's a university, but it's just a small town. It's a beautiful area to explore. You know, if you, if you get out, it's like, I, you know, if you're in Richmond or, or DC, like you don't have places like that to just go out and go up to the Cascades and look at the waterfalls or, or go like mountain biking in Penaps Pond, things like that. There's so many cool places, cool, cool things to do outdoors. So take advantage of that. Academically, um, probably do everything exactly opposite I did. 
you know, maybe get out and explore a little bit, take a couple of different classes just to see what you're like. I mean, it's not a sprint, um, but, um, you know, don't take all four years to figure it out either. Like, I think, you know, take it seriously enough to, um, that you want to kind of take some things to explore and try to figure out what you want early. Uh, it, you know, I changed majors twice. Um, I went from computer engineering to math to computer science. Um, so they're all kind of relatively, it's not like I'm going from English to, you know, all over the place, but yeah. I, every time you change, you get a little bit behind in terms of classes and stuff, but it's good to do that early and kind of try to figure it out. So you could uh, maybe you and I off recording can uh, write down, I'll write down what you tell me about your experiences there and I'll tell my son to do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had like, I didn't join a fraternity. I had an amazing hall mate, like just a group of guys on that hall. Um, I, you know, teach their own with the fraternity thing. Like I'm not really big into that, but there's some pros, I guess there's some pros to that. Um, but yeah, like those friends I made that first year, when you talk about like earlier on, you know, we were talking about the college experience, like not to say that I didn't get a lot from learning in the classes I did, but just the, the friends that you make and the experience that each of these people bring as they're coming from different places where I, I grew up in like one town my whole life, quite, quite a little bit different from Daniel's experience. So I wasn't exposed to a lot of different things. So just to meet new people and, you know, and become friends and get different perspectives. That was, that was awesome. Love it. Very cool. So you're, you're an outdoor kind of cat, right? And I know yeah. uh, you, you hunt. I, I learned through our text exchange that you uh, did a little scuba diving before kids. I did. Uh, you, you've, uh, you said you didn't travel a lot, but uh, you, you've been to, been to Monte Carlo. Do you, you want to <laughs> share your Monte Carlo story? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine, um, Mike, he was going to take his, he's, he's like the guy I envy in terms of travel. He goes everywhere. And like, I had kids. I'm like, we can't travel. He has kids. He's like going to Monaco or, you know, Egypt or wherever. Um, so he was going to take at the time, the girl he was dating, he was going to take her to, um, France, France for Valentine's day. And she couldn't go. She had just started a job. And so, um, he's like, do you want to go to France? Like, you know, Chris is not, not coming. And I was like, you asking me to France for Valentine's Day? Um, <laughs> sure, I'm in, you know. Uh, so we go to France, and it was, like, to me, the perfect trip because I am I hate when vacations feel like work. It's like we got to go – like Disney for me is work. It's like we got to go here, meet these people. Blah, blah. So we went there. We had our plane tickets. We had a hotel for the night we stayed, the night we got there, and the night we left. And we had a rental car and that was it. So we get there and we just wake up in the morning and say, where do we want to go? And we, so we just drove all over Southern France. I opening to me, I had no clue of how many like Roman, like ancient Roman ruins are like still intact in Southern France. It was just amazing. So sorry, I'm getting away from Monte Carlo. So, you know, we're in Southern France. We might as well go to Monte Carlo, right? We're, we're right there. And we drive in our little three cylinder car. And so we go to Monte Carlo and we're in our, our, you know, quote unquote, best clothes for college people, which was like, you know, some, a nice wool sweater, some wool pants. And we go to these casinos and we went to the Casino Monte Carlo. And like, I'm like, wow, this is like the real deal. This is the thing that our American casinos try to emulate, right? They were just like amazing. And so like, we try to get into some rooms and like, as we start walking, we're just walking along and like guys come out and they just like put their hands up, you know, and block us. I'm like, okay, can't go in there. Uh, 
<laughs> so, um, do, do you know who was in there? James Bond. James Bond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I, I, I wish I could have pulled that off. Um, I got into a gunfight or something, but, uh, yeah. So we, I sit down at the blackjack table there and I'm like, Mike's like giving me some money. We were trying to pull up just to get enough to like play a couple of hands. Cause I think the minimum bet ba- was like, I think was it 500 francs. I, I, I think it was like equivalent of like a, a, a 80 bucks was like the minimum bet. Oh, um, brutal. And, and in blackjack, I had kind of played a little blackjack. So you, you never usually want to bet with the minimum. You want to kind of start in the middle and see how the, the cards flow. If you're doing like some simple counting and stuff. And so I won a few hands and I was up like 800 bucks and it's like, in like, you know, probably 20 minutes and we're like, let's get out of here. And of course we get all these dirty looks. And so we left and we're having fun. And, um, we're in, so in France, in America, we take for granted public bathrooms. They're everywhere, right? I could pop in Starbucks, whatever, go to the bathroom. I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't find a bathroom anywhere. And so we're going all around France because we had, we had left Monte Carlo and uh couldn't find a bathroom so i ended up finding this like certainly not public some like hole in the wall bathroom and like this like at that like you had to go down there a couple alleys and stuff and there was no toilet paper so i was like well i won a lot of money it's just franks so i ended up wiping my butt with french uh franks so i mean not not to get into the specifics here but that can't be like a uh it couldn't have fully done the job, I guess is the best way for me to describe that. Yeah. I, you know, I have to ask, I wonder if Mike remembers, cause he likes that story. Um, I, I don't know, but at the time when I had nothing, uh, I mean, it's not like I even had a sink, so I couldn't like try to do a makeshift bidet or something, use my hand and wash <laughs> it off. Like I, there's just a toilet. There's no water or anything. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. so how how would you ballpark how expensive that particular uh, bowel movement was? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't I don't remember the denominations that we had, but I don't expect it was more than ten bucks. Um, well, that's you know, not yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I at some point I, you know, my standards aren't that high. Like I'll just. Yeah, throw yeah. my underwear away or something. I don't know. But. Yeah, if uh, if somebody was like, "You can use my bathroom, but I'll I'll charge you ten bucks," um, or I could just wipe with a ten dollar bill, I would just be like, "No, screw you!" And I'd wipe with the ten dollar bill and then uh, reduce inflation a little bit in the process. That there you go. Or pull a big daddy and just go around on the side of their building and. Uh... <laughs> Is that is that known as pulling a big daddy? (laughs) So that's an Adam Sandler movie, Big Daddy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, it's a good one. Oh, I thought it was like literally you were just saying Big Daddy. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's a pun in there somewhere. Maybe it's a dual meaning, but uh, yeah. (sighs) Cool. Cool. So uh, your outdoor excursions. uh, I think you had one near death experience. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was white water rafting so we were uh in west virginia uh you know banjo country and uh um yeah i remember i was my buddy lim uh who's african-american he was like the whole time he's like chris you got to protect me like he was getting scared and, and ducking down he started playing banjo music but you know we we joke about west virginia because we're from virginia tech and um west virginia you know <laughs> UVA guys think that we're a bunch of rubes in Blacksburg. 
you know, we say the same thing about Morgantown in, in West Virginia. It just, you know, it goes downhill. I'm sure they probably say it to, I don't know, maybe Kentucky or something. But so we were in like nowhere, West Virginia and the, the upper gully. And so there was, we were white water often and there was some, um, they, the, when the, when they do, when they release the dam, it, they have some pretty big rapids. I think there was three class fives on that trip and, and, and some, some fours. And so speaking of big daddy, um, the, the guy, our guide was named big daddy. And, uh, I thought it was just the name he made up because, you know, he's, he's the guide or something, but no, we're going down the river and people are like, Hey, big daddy, Hey, big daddy. <laughs> that's the, the dude's legit name is he goes by big daddy. So, so we had him and when you're in these, when you, I, I don't know if you guys have been, have you guys been whitewater rafting before? Yep. All right. So we're in a pretty small, we're in a, one of the smaller ones. And so you kind of wedge, you know, you wedge your foot in the side so you could kind of get up on the side to, to paddle through these, these stronger rapids. And he said, all right, if we hit this one, just right, we're going to flip. I'm like, all right, you know, so we start pedaling, 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 and um, sure enough, we hit it just right, and we flipped over. And so um, my foot, which was kind of wedged in the, uh, the side, um, when we flipped, something happened, and it got stuck in the cooler strap that had our, our cooler uh, was strapped in for when we were going to have lunch. And so the boat's upside down. I'm underwater in the middle of this class five rapid and I can't get my foot loose. And so I go up once for air and I came underneath it and like got a, a, a breath. And then I tried a couple more times. And one time I came up and just hit, hit the, the raft itself. And so I just remember thinking I couldn't the whole time I'm pulling my foot, trying to get my foot out. And I'm, I'm dead. I'm tired. I can't, I don't have any more energy left. I'm like, I can't believe this is how I'm going to die. Uh, and I've always hated like suffocation and like, you know, not being able to breathe. I just from yeah. having asthma when I was little, but, um, so I never stopped tugging at my foot and eventually it, it came out and I was able to surface, but like the, there was like, that was probably the, the biggest time where I was like, crap, I'm going to die. And this is not, like how, how I want to die. But, uh, so that was, that was crazy. How, how long were you, were you under, you think? You know, I don't know. I'm sure my time was so, um, so skewed in a situation like that. So I had no idea, but I know that I don't think I would have been able to last too much longer because I couldn't hold my breath long to begin with. But, um, yeah, I know a couple, one, one of the, one of the women that were in the boat was pretty shaken up on that that spill too like she wanted to get out and we're like miles down the river right so it was, it, we're in the middle of nowhere it was just wilderness and she's like just just let me get out i'll, I'll walk but uh like you, you're not walking I, i've yeah. been on the upper golly it it is uh those rapids are scary and awesome all at the same time but yeah you're not yeah. going halfway down the upper golly and then walking to your destination at least not quickly yeah. so yeah I had, I had no idea if i would have gotten stuck i don't know if they would have been able to try to you know, once he tried to get the raft and flip it over, I'm sure, you know, if I was still attached, he would have maybe figured something out. But still, that's uh, that was a little scary. I would I would go rafting again, but um, I'm probably not doing any uh, fours and fives on the gully. I'll stick to the uh, small ones. Are you're saying gully and I'm saying golly. Am I saying it wrong? No, I think I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, I have no idea. Golly, golly, golly. It's G-A-U. I don't know what sound that yeah. makes. Oh, da- Daniel's the linguist. How do you say that, Daniel? G-A-U-L-E-Y. God. 
Oh, uh, man. Wow. On the spot. I have no idea, dude. Call How would you it. say it if you're from West Virginia? I don't Ooh. know anything about, about, well, I know a little bit about West Virginia, but I don't know enough to know that. Yeah. We're trying not to offend uh, our two listeners in West Virginia. Yeah. And I, I our guests can do that. No my problem. family is from West Virginia, so I feel like that gives me a little bit of rights to make fun of West Virginia. Oh, yeah. There's no question. That, that's, uh, that's a rule. It's like my wife is from Staten Island, so I feel like I can make fun of um, Staten no Island. Question. Yeah. No question. No question. I think everybody in the, in the world feels like they can make fun of Staten Island. I might be wrong. They do. They do. And my, it really upsets my wife that they all the other brewers feel that they don't count. Um, but uh, I like to bring that up every time I meet someone from like Brooklyn or, or the Bronx. And... Do you, when you meet people from Staten Island, do you give them shit about being from Staten Island? Um. I don't meet that many people from Staten Island outside my, uh, my, my in-laws. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely, I definitely feel the, the, that I have the badge to do that. And I'll talk about the, how much trash they import and the garbage there. And, um, the, um, oh, the, um, you know, the Godfather was filmed there. That's their claim to fame. Oh, hmm. I didn't know that. I did not either. All right, so I know you two would love to talk about this. Uh, do we want to talk about guns uh, or hunting? Maybe hunting's the, the the place to go here. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely enjoy hunting. I don't know if that comes with going to Blacksburg. Well, no, I guess a lot of people go to Blacksburg and don't hunt, but um, I haven't gone a lot since I was around here. Um, since I've come back to Williamsburg, I was spoiled. So I mentioned my dad working for a government base here. Um, they have about 10,000 acres, uh, mostly wooded. So it was really nice that I got to go out there. Uh, I didn't appreciate that. And then I went out to Blacksburg and there's just tons of public land. Now I'm back here with like really no place to hunt. Um, mm. There's hunt clubs. Sometimes there's a lot of drama there. Um, so I don't know. I'll probably talk to the game one. But yeah, I just went on a trip past Wyoming um, with uh, some friends from college, which was awesome. It's, it's so good, like connecting this. I feel like, you know, you don't see these folks for a few years. I mean, we text almost like multiple times a week. So there's, you know, we have that technology these days, but that was really cool. Went out to Wyoming to hunt uh, pronghorn. So uh, it was a blast. It was an interesting, interesting animal to hunt. Is pronghorn, is that elk? It is uh, an antelope antelope okay how, how'd it go it went well i don't know if you guys could see my my room's a little dark but uh that guy back there i brought him back oh no, we can we, we, i can't see him dang it's like a, it's like a scary movie it's been there the whole time yeah totally over which shoulder uh this one here where's my uh you want me to hit my light do you have time for that yeah hit your light man yeah yeah you can kind of see it now oh he has been there the entire time Yes, he's hiding. So he's oh. all, he's always on my Zoom meetings uh, <laughs> at work. It's good. Uh, uh, I don't know. Some people are weirded out by it. I know. I know Daniel's uh, a vegan. Uh, actually, he brought it up this time. Daniel, the guest brought it up, not me. Oh, am I, not, am, am I not supposed to? Bring no, 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 no. But Paul and I have a thing going where he I, likes to bring up that I'm a vegan. I'm uh, fairly obnoxious about it. Well, it's only fair because I did bring up the palatial home. So I feel yeah, like yes. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Chris, giving us equal treatment. I love it. Yes. You're bringing balance to the world, Chris. Thank you. Yes. And, and like, cause I, so I get a lot of shit sometimes for hunting. Like some people, 
And I cannot stand the hypocrisy when someone's like eat, eating a burger and they're like, can't believe you kill Bambi. You know, I'm like, mm. you're eating that cow that came from, you know, you know, a vegan saying that totally has the high ground. I, I can't really argue there, but I did try it. I, I, I did go vegan for a little bit over two months um, just to do it. Um, which is a, was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. That's, I actually that's longer, yeah, it's longer than most people last. And, and, and yeah, to the whole, like the, the, the hunting thing, like, uh, I, I probably, you know, disappoint vegans when, when I say this kind of thing, but I'd much rather someone like hunt their own, their own food, uh, and eat that rather than, than pick up whatever's in the, uh, McDonald's or, or in the grocery store yeah. that comes from like, you know, industrial farming, uh, where, animals typically have like a much, much worse life than that pronghorn that's on your wall right now did before, yeah. you, uh, before you showed up. And everyone thinks deer are so cute and all they do is like fight and chase w- women and uh, they're, they're mean. And they, but yeah, no, it's, it, you're right. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like we all, I think should be eating more plants. There's been some, I think that's kind of proven now it's not fake news. Um, so I think that's a good thing. We, we all as Americans eat way too much meat. Um, I, I hate like a lot of about the like kind of industrial kind of food and what they do to the animals and things like that. Um, but I do, there's something to be said, I feel like for, you know, we talked a little bit about just survival, what happens if things got bad. There's just like knowing that, I could do that if I needed to. Um, yeah. It was pretty good. And just getting out and it, it's sad. It's like, I don't need to go hunting to get out into the woods, but it, it is an excuse for me to, to go do something and get out of the yeah. office. And like uh, Wyoming, man, are you kidding me? It must be so nice out there. Yeah, it was really nice. It was re- So we were on the border of Wyoming and Colorado. And so um, me and a few other folks had um, tags for uh, antelope, um, and we did some fishing there. It's like great fishing. I'm not a huge fisherman, but we did have like one really like avid fisherman there. Um, but my, my buddy Nino, he had a tag for mule deer down in Colorado. So we actually did down in Colorado and Wyoming was pretty, but it was like, you know, kind of like just open spaces. These, these antelope are just crazy animals to hunt. They could see forever. They could see you four miles away. And, um, Colorado stark difference. I mean, we were in mountains. It was just, it was a burn that where there had been wildfires a few years ago. And so it's just a beautiful place to be on the mountains where like it's coming back to life. And, you know, like like you still see burned trees everywhere, but things are starting to grow. It's really cool. You know, on the side of the mountain, just small clearing, there's, you'd see a a elk, a moose and a mule deer all in one little space is really kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. What, what, what's uh, besides being outside? What's uh, pulling you or drawing you to hunting? Um, hmm, good question. I, I, I didn't realize that was going to be such a thought-provoking question, Chris. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I think I just like, um, I mean, the like, yeah, the being outside and knowing that I could actually get some like, you know, could like take care, like, you know, shoot an animal and, and, and gut it and cook it and eat it and be somewhat self-sufficient. It's kind of cool. Like obviously the, the, the free lean meat where you can't really, I mean, you can buy farm raised uh, game, but you can't 
buy, uh, you know, wild game is, it's illegal. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, if you're into health stuff, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the, the, um, I don't want to say sport, um, but just like the, the skill that goes into it. I think a lot of people think that, especially rifle, you know, I, I get the argument. It's not like you have to have a, a huge uh, skill to shoot an animal with a rifle. Um, out in Wyoming, when you're shooting like 300 yards or, you know, it is a little bit more to it, but, um, I, so I enjoy like bow hunting a lot more from a skill-based perspective. You actually have to practice even though modern modern bows are pretty crazy now but uh, that's a whole different game instead of being in a, a field or opening or the woods and shooting something 100 yards away like you're you know tracking them you're looking for signs you're figuring out where to put up your stands um, so there's just more thought you actually I feel like you're getting a little bit more in tune with nature to not to sound so trite but I think there's 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 that so yeah, and you're describing the the uh, the thrill of the pursuit too. I think that's part of it. Sounds like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's. Yeah, now that you mention it, there's definitely like this guy right here. It was, you know, yeah, definitely to be able to. He jumped out at us, and we we kind of me and one other uh, of the hunters that was with me. Um, we kind of we tracked him for a while, and then to actually see where he is and figure out where to go and, and, um, and where do you position yourself and all that stuff. It's, there's definitely a thrill there. Um, and when, when you, uh, like when you actually finally got him, was there, was it like an, a feeling of achievement? Um, or was there any kind of like, just this like, uh, gravity about like, you know, having taken a life that you get to, you know, have nourishment from, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a little bit of both that I, you know, I, I think, um, like the PETA people will generalize hunters, just like, you know, I'll generalize the PETA people. Like there's a spectrum, right? You know, yes, there's people that take a six pack of beer and go up and sit in a, a tree stand, right? And really probably don't have much respect for it. But yeah, like when you, you describe the, like, yes, there's like kind of a thrill of, wow, yeah, I just, you know, um, did all the things that you need to do, like that you probably don't think about it if, if you've never been in that situation of just like, um, kind of stalking and crawling and calming yourself and trying to calm your heart heart rate and and and, and fix your breathing um, to get that shot and then there is a sense of achievement and then, yeah there's a little gravity you just took a life yes you know some people might laugh it's, it's not a human it's, it's an animal but it, you know it's it's a sentient you know it's it's a you know it he's it, it's a yeah you know it's an animal so um, but yeah it's the whole Lion King circle of life thing that. Uh, um, I, I can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, uh, this has been a, a good time learning about your story. I, I would love it if you could, uh, talk a little bit more about your wife and your, uh, your son and daughter, since, uh, one of our objectives is to lay down, uh, this for posterity. So I'd love for your kids to listen to this 20 years from now kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. Cause I, you know, Amy does much better. Like she has a journal that she write, writes to the kids, you know, uh, and it's so cool to be able to, like, I've had some things that my mom had put together, like a yearbook of not, not a yearbook, but like a book of like things, my accomplishments over the years. So scrapbook. To, yeah, scrapbook. Right. So I, I think what Amy's doing is awesome. And I, every now and then I'll, I'll, um, I'll write something down. I actually have a notebook I need to write in right now, but yeah, so they're, 
they're in second and fifth grade right now. So uh, it's really cool ages. I mean, they've, they're at the age now where um, they still like me. <laughs> we haven't hit the teenage years yet. Oh, um, it's so depressing, man. <laughs> God. I'm getting a little twinge of the, um, the tween dude. And I, it makes me so sad, but oh, um, it, it gets worse, man. It gets <laughs> so much worse. Oh, man. I'm, so expect me to be like probably calling you for some advice. I, I, I have no good advice. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> oh, my, man. My, 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 my best advice to you is just uh, be patient and weather the storm, man. All right. That's, hey, that's still advice. That's good. I'll have to yeah. remember that. But yeah, right, as of now, I need to enjoy it because they, um, they love hanging out. Um, they love that I understand some of the stuff they do. So like they'll, if they get into stuff, like I'll get into it with them, right? Like, so they're into Pokemon. I have no clue how to keep up with all. There's like eight or 900 Pokemon now. Um, but like I'll, I try, you know, and I'll play some video games with them sometimes, um, get on Minecraft and build stuff with them. So they love that. And we try to, combine that like we did some pokemon go just to get them outside and so they actually you know we did that at a couple parks now we're actually going to the parks without playing pokemon go so that's cool um but yeah they're a super fun age um i just love spending time with them um they're fun i know i know they drive amy crazy sometimes during the day uh but uh she loves them as well so they're they for the most part get along i think um the youngest Andrew annoys his sister sometimes um, ad nauseum, and she's very vocal about that. And I think um, she doesn't realize that she loves to play with him too. Sometimes it's just that when she's ready to be left alone, he doesn't. He's he hasn't picked up on that, so he continues to poke and be annoying. Um, and I think with with them being cooped up inside, and this kind of goes back to, gosh, you want to protect your kids, but you're also um, uh, and, and for us, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's the father-in-law as well, who's, who's got a compromised immune system. So we're, we are very cautious about that. But you also do worry about, okay, well, we're protecting the kids, but what are we doing to their, um, like, you know, their, not so much their social skills, but their, their psyche. Like, you know, what is this doing to them? Um, are, we, are we hurting them by doing this? And so, you know, we're kind of trying to balance that. It's not the same, but... They get on FaceTime. They play games with their friends. They draw with their friends while they're on FaceTime. Again, it's not the same, but it is, It is. you know, it's better than what we would have had to do, which was, like, if this would have happened, like, back in the, you know, the 80s, like, we had nothing to do but watch four channels. On oh, <laughs> it, it would have been a million times worse back in the yeah. 80s. So, um, so, yeah, they, you know, they they get to play with their friends and stuff and we just got a trampoline for them. So I'm excited about giving them doing something, um, active, uh, you know, we, we get out on their bikes, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun seeing them get like, you get to experience almost childhood all over again. Like you get to see, it's crazy how many memories have come back of me being a kid that I just didn't know until I see them doing something. And I remember like me doing that. Um, and so it's kind of cool that you get to kind of relive that um, and just see like everything's a new you know experience for them. So as they get to see things for the first time, it's like, man, I wish I, you know, it's, can you imagine like going to work, like we get into a rut sometimes where we're going to work, we do the same thing over and over again and all of a sudden months going by and like, 
I don't even know what happened. We're already in the fall. Um, like, but for them, sometimes every day is a new adventure, right? It's something new to experience. So that's kind of cool. Very cool. Well, Chris, uh, I know I was happy to have you on. Certainly, uh, Daniel couldn't stop talking about having you on. So I'm really uh, happy you could join us tonight. And I appreciate you taking the time to do so. I, Daniel, any parting words you want to have for yeah. um well, I, I just appreciate the the candor with which you approach the uh, the questions that we ask, and I, I think there are some answers that you you didn't have to give as as uh, as vulnerable or as detailed an answer as you did. And uh, for example, like the 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 final straw going back to to working for the man, um, <laughs> you know, like. But but I really do appreciate you know uh, your willingness to share. And yeah, as as Paul said, I, I have been talking about having you on for a long time, and. Uh, you're someone I happen to look up to. So, uh, you know, I hope that we, uh, keep in touch and, and I'll probably be calling you up for advice with the, uh, with the, with the new startup. Sure. Anytime. Thanks, Daniel. And, uh, if you have some spare time, let's figure out, maybe we could start a, a second one. Yeah, man, let's do it, dude. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, anytime I'm happy to, sorry. I, I wish I could have been more, uh, funny. Clearly I would not make it as a comedian, but, uh, no, it's all good. Uh, hey, by, by the way, just for our listeners, uh, especially our super fans, I think we're up to three now. Uh, Chris, uh, Daniel, and I talked about uh, a startup just just to talk about it. And there's been this undertone of if we ever got serious about it, they'd kick me to the curb. What? I never. Wait. I, <laughs> did you tell him that, Daniel? I thought that was a secret. That's the undertone. Nobody's told me anything. No, Paul, you just heard me say for like at least a good 15 minutes of how important I think um, like sales are. And, I, yep. you know, Daniel, I think the world of your technical proudness, I don't know that I don't know about your sales yet. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, seen, I think that between Chris and I, we have about a thimble full of sales action. <laughs> That's right. We'll build yeah. it. You, you we'll build it. it. Yeah. Good times. And you well, run cool. it too. We build it, you run it, you sell it. I think that's fair. All right. Yeah. We just need the product of the idea, right? Yeah. So can you tell your three, your three listeners that if they have any ideas, let us know. No, we've graduated to three super fans. Oh, Chris. super fans. Oh, I mean, we're, we're probably what Daniel high thirties, low forties listeners, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm i uh, I'm always a little bit, um, not pessimistic. What's the right word? Conservative minded about how many listeners we have. Uh, yeah. So whatever I say, multiply by 0.6 and that's Daniel's answer. <laughs> I have been listening multiple times on different VPNs. So it could have been me like 20 times. I don't know. Oh, dude, you've been boosting our numbers. <laughs> Get it. Like uh, Silicon Valley style? No. Yeah. If, if you want any of the listeners, if you want to know a way to get Paul really excited, jump, bouncing off the walls, download VPNs and start listening from all over different places. Yeah, and so D- Daniel and I have talked about that in all seriousness. Like, we don't want that to happen. We understand that downloads are sort of a secondary metric. It's really around how much uh, content people are consuming. Yeah, I tell you what, guys, I'm actually really super impressed of what you guys have done. Like, I think so many people have the idea and then don't do it. So then, like, you know, there's another huge bucket of people that have the idea, try it a few times, and, like, stop. And when you go out and listen to like some of these people, whether they're like Twitch people or like some random person making 2 million a year on YouTube videos, like they all say the same thing. Like, it's not like they came up with an idea and then next month, you know, they were millionaires. They just grinded it out for a long time. And we're, know, we're, all, we're grinding, baby. We're grinding. Do it. Yep. Like Ryan. I don't know if you guys seen Ryan. I know your, your kids aren't that young anymore, but like 
there's this kid, Ryan, he's like four years old, probably. I don't know, maybe he's older now. All he did was open presents. He opened toys and his parents filmed them. Yeah. And he did that on YouTube and like he's like a sensation. He's now he's got his own, I think, toy lines named after him and stuff. So. Yeah, he's like seven now or something. So, yeah, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, wow. my kids were, and I'm, I'm watching my kids watching him. And I just like today, <laughs> I, my kids sometimes watch other people play video games. I'm like, why are you watching other people play video games? You actually have video games you can play. Daniel gives well. money to his friend who is I, I don't understand it, Daniel. What, what's it on? What's the app? Yeah, it's on it's on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it's just you subscribe and and uh he's uh he's my old roommate from from college. Um and if he ever listens to this episode, like uh I haven't told him it's me. I have like a, a random username that I'm using. So nice. uh, if he if he does ever the the slim chance that he does listen to this, he'll he'll know that it's me. But yeah, I just um he, he, he plays video games at night sometimes. And if I'm like grinding late at night, it's kind of like just having a friend there that you can turn on and they just like talk shit and play video games. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a good time. That's cool. So it's, it's more of a, it's not like a pro tips thing. It's more of a, we're just, it's more, yeah, it's more of a, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's cool, man. That's, I've been like, one of the things I've been doing at night after work, you know, I'll, actually have a a book um a friend of mine started we, we talked about maybe writing a game together he's the brains of the operation i I'm, I'm new to this but we've been playing um some video games at night and uh my wife puts up with it after the kids go to bed and uh it's crazy like you know two hours to go by in a blink of an eye but yeah. just like hanging out and talking and it's kind of cool especially in this this era of like you know not really you know we we're like i said we're pretty uber conservative so just being able to have that kind of social time and and, and just chill and yeah you know, shoot things was kind of therapeutic blowing things up on the screen so oh absolutely man yeah and vr too like that's gonna blow up in a whole new world as well i haven't gone there but i'm gonna have to do that you should ask uh gene burke about it yeah who well, knew gene burke's really big into vr do they got Excel in VR now or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gene does Excel. Gene's not going to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> Can you see him like Minority Report? He'd have all his spreadsheets everywhere. It would be like his heaven. He'd be like moving <laughs> them around and. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's hilarious because it's true. I hope yeah, his columns could wrap around 360. He could be like, yeah, every direction you look, there's an Excel <laughs> oh. uh, spreadsheet. That that would be amazing. He he would love that. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Cool. All right, cool. Chris, awesome, man. I'm going to stop the recording now. Cool, thanks. Um, but hang on for a second. I need a name for my antelope, too, if you got any, got, got any good ideas. Oh, okay. Pronghorn. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.